As we continue worshiping together today, siblings, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or Bible apps to the Gospel according to Matthew, the 18th chapter, beginning in the 21st verse. Let us receive together the Word of God. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sings against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So this slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But the same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my Heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. God, give us uh, the words you want us to hear. Let us receive the message you have for us. Bless us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. And so happy first Sunday of September 2020. Goodness gracious. Today's scripture, in case you missed it, was Matthew um, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. I hope that you take the time to read it later if you did not get a chance to hear it um, and that you would really read all of 18 because we get to see um, by the time we get to verse 21, uh, a lot has happened that is that teaches us something about um, what we're about to talk about today. Um, so let me just go ahead and give you the cliff notes, okay? Um, chapter starts with um, them asking the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
Um, and so Jesus guides them through their role in, uh, in keeping those who are considered little ones from stumbling and to keep themselves from stumbling. Uh, and then Jesus concludes how to handle arguments uh, in the church. We don't have those here, right? <laughs> But he tells them how to um, how to keep themselves from having arguments and what to happen uh, when there's an argument between the two persons. And he concludes the the lesson that he gives them, saying, uh, "Truly, uh, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." And again, I tell you, um, if two or more two of you agree about anything, you ask it will be done for you by my heavenly father, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And so Jesus is uh, giving them uh, guidance on how to live as community, as the church community. Uh, and so I wanted to give this important context because um, when in our scripture today, Peter's response just lets us know that he didn't quite, <laughs> he didn't quite understand what Jesus was was saying, and so Jesus has to drive the point home in a way that is um, that is um, alarming. Uh, and so, uh, so basically, Peter responds in verse eighteen like this: "So wait, how many times do I have to do all this forgiving? I mean, before I can just say, you know what, forget you, you stink." I don't want to be around you anymore. Um, and so I'm not going to forgive you no more. I mean, like how many times do I have to do that? Like seven? I mean, give me a break. How long? And so here's Peter continuing to attempt to push people out of the community uh, and push people out of their connection to Christ. That's basically what he's saying. How many times before we get, get rid of them? Peter's question is basically asking uh, us, um, who to keep in the circle and who's not worthy of the gift of being connected to Jesus. His question is asking even more dangerously, whose humanity do I get to negate after a while? Like how long before we have to say bye-bye to them? Because if you're not in the community, you're, you're by yourself. And so, um, and, and people can turn their nose down on you. And so here, here is Peter asking, you know, so like how many times, give me a break. How many times? Just let me know. So when I get there, I will have, I will have your backing. Jesus said, after this number, you're gone. And so let's understand that, that having this power that Jesus has just given them. I mean, remember Jesus gave them the power to bind and to loose, to be connected. And, and if two people agree on something, God is right there and, and, God's, gonna, and, and God's gonna give it to them. Wow, really? They've, this is a lot of power. And so Peter is looking at God like a pie. That if everybody gets to bind and loose, then how, how, do my, how does my peace get big enough, stay big so that I can feel important? It's almost as if he didn't hear Jesus's answer to the first question at all. Here's the danger in attempting to find ways to push people from the community. It's usually the people who we've denied their humanity and questioned God's love for them. 
based on our own context. For those people who have power to deny the humanity of those who don't have power. It, then it becomes those who are housed denying the humanity of those who are unhoused. It's a slippery slope. Then it becomes those who identify as white denying the humanity of those who are identified as black or brown. And, and those who identify as one gender denying the humanity of those who don't share the same identity. Those who deny, who, who identify as different loving, ginger, different gender loving, uh, denying those who don't share, um, who don't, who don't love the way that they do. So it's a slippery slope when you start trying to figure out who you can put out and how long before they get ostracized and get put away and who gets to stay in. And so unfortunately, uh, Peter is not the last one to ask this question because we're still asking this question in 2020. Who are the folks that we can no longer forgive, no longer allow in the community so that they don't have binding and loosing capabilities like we do? That's why you have to read the entire chapter because it gives you, um, it gives you this, this, this list of, of things that they're trying to figure out so that, so that they can see who gets to stay, who gets to be close to Jesus. Who gets to be the greatest? And then he gives Jesus this number. A seven? Like, what do you mean? Seven? Now, in scripture, um, seven is seen as the number of completion. God rested on the seventh day. Or maybe Peter knew the story of Naaman, who went down in the water seven times to be cleaned in the Jordan. Maybe Peter knew Amos's words in Amos uh, 2 and 6 that says, Thus saith the Lord. For three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Maybe he said, hey, God gave him only three and said on the fourth one, nah. So maybe I'm giving him seven. That's good, right? And so Peter, uh, so Jesus responds to Peter's question. Not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. Jesus is basically saying as many times as it takes as many times as it takes. Before I get to the parable, I want to say this to you. Um, Jesus is asking uh, us to be forgiving. Jesus is not asking us to be in danger, to be abused, to be hurt, or to be otherwise treated in a way that is not God's intention for our lives. We must be very careful not to let forgiveness move us to a place where we're not safe. You can forgive somebody, and pray God's blessing upon them, and they be far away from you. You can forgive someone and not allow them to hurt you, harm you, mistreat you, or otherwise endanger your life. God is not calling us to suffer under the weight of oppression or abuse in the name of being forgiving. So let me drive this home. If someone is abusing you in any way, you have every right to remove yourself from the abuse and to live a healthy, liberated, whole, safe life. I wrote that down because I want to say it. Let me say it again. If someone is abusing you in any way, you have every right to remove yourself from the abuse and to live a happy, healthy, liberated, safe life. Forgiveness is not a, and let me say this also, forgiveness is not a salve for injustice. Justice is, and we're going to see that in the story. 
We can't keep saying, I'm sorry, forgive me, and continue to do things that are hurtful and bring injustice into the world. Only justice can fix injustice. Okay. So now to Peter's, uh, now to, to the response from Jesus, he tells a story. He says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wishes to settle his accounts with his slaves. Slavery bad. Okay. Just wanted to put that out there. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and his children and all his possessions and payment be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. Now, can you imagine that Peter's eyes were wide open as soon as he said the number? Because there is no way anyone can pay back 10,000 talents. It's too much money, especially somebody who is in the area of who's, who, is, who is seen as a slave or a servant. He would not have the money to do it. And so Jesus uses this gigantic number to remind us that there is no way that we can repay forgiveness from God. Even if we had a million lifetimes, we couldn't. And so Jesus uses this number to drive that, that point home. I think Jesus understands that um, the depths of mistakes and missteps and other ways in which we've actively and passively made decisions that did not build beloved community cannot just be checked off and forgiven and, and, and worked to, to get forgiveness. So Jesus uses this extreme number to let us know that God does not count our mistakes and missteps. And neither should we. There are a couple of twists in this story. One, the slave walks away without the dead. Uh, that just goes to show you that God is not like the world. <laughs> in the world, you pay what you owe, even if you have absolutely no chance of paying it off. Just ask anybody who has student loans. And yet, he lets him go and forgives the debt. But then, the scripture tells us, but that same slave, walking out as he went out, and these are my words added in, free from the debt, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. What a complete mess for something that is easy to forgive or at least let the debt be settled. The forgiven slave chooses not to forgive the one who is in the same situation that he's in. And so I'm going to ask you now, who are the siblings that you need to forgive? Who are the siblings for whom you've harbored unforgiveness? Who are the siblings that we as a community grab by the throat and make demands? 
how do we even heap unforgiveness on ourselves because of some unwritten rule about how we were to achieve or live or be? And you may say, I don't do that. But here's one of the side effects of unforgiveness that lets us know we're all, in some ways, we have work to do. It splinters our community. And so when we don't forgive a spouse or a child or a neighbor, our community splinters. Now, have you ever had a splinter? Uh, for those who don't know what a splinter is, it's a little piece of glass or wood that has embedded in your skin. It's just a sliver. And if we'd saw it before, we probably would have almost missed it. It's something you can barely see. But if you've ever had a splinter in your finger or in worse, in your foot, it causes great pain. It's something that's so small, but if it isn't removed, it can cause great damage. That's what unforgiveness does. It's a little splinter that can cause great damage if left where it is, if things aren't brought back the way they need to be. And so here are who I think are the heroes of the story, the community. So when the slave, his fellow slaves saw what, ha what happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and they reported to their Lord all that had taken place. They were doing the work that it takes to bring back justice to the situation. And so they were able to, one, change the minds of their Lord. That's why I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Vote, 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 because um, you think that your vote doesn't have power. If you all get together and vote the same way, look at there, you change things. And so even these slaves, who slaves aren't supposed to have any controlling power over their Lord, were able to go together and say, here we have a problem. And their Lord listened to them. Then the scripture says that the Lord, the Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you because of the debt, because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had the same mercy on your fellow slave that I had on you? And in his anger, the Lord, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he could pay the entire debt. So basically the rest of his life, because there's no way he could have paid back in one lifetime. Then Jesus says, so my heavenly father will do with you, every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. It sounds really harsh, doesn't it? Maybe Jesus said that because he was on his way, he's gonna leave Galilee and he's gonna go and do some, some more work. And maybe he wanted to drive that point home. But I think also Jesus wants us to understand that unforgiveness tortures us. 
The first it becomes a pebble and then it becomes a rock and then it becomes a boulder and then it becomes a mountain. And sometimes we don't even know why we're still upset with this person. It's been 30 years. We can't actually remember what happened. All we know is we mad. And we don't even understand or remember what we're mad about. But we've been carrying this, this mountain so long, we don't even know how we got it, where it came from. Now you may say, well, I do remember what they did and I didn't like it and it was deeply hurtful. And there, some of us have been hurt in spaces where we thought we could be safe, like the church, like school, like in a, a family member's home. And it's okay to need help to get to a place of forgiveness. But I pray that we do it because forgiveness sets us free. It liberates us. Where there's forgiveness, beloved community grows. Where there's forgiveness, there's mercy. Where there's forgiveness, there's grace. where there's forgiveness, God continues to move us together to get, move us together, not splintered, not tortured, but free to go out and tell someone else you are forgiven, to go out and to look in the mirror and say to ourselves, you are forgiven. And so let us go out into the world and share this good news that we have a God who doesn't count, <laughs> doesn't count our mistakes, our missteps. Because our God wants to be in relationship with us, in a relationship that's whole and healthy and shines a light into the world. May it be so. Amen. Amen.